0: But uh, we've, been, uh, we've been talking about this idea of inheritance. In verse 31, verse 31, it says the father is telling the son, the elder brother, the one that wasn't lost but was actually living in the father's house, he said, all that I have is yours. You've always been with me. And the premise that we've been talking about is that too oftentimes in this space or in churches around the country, and I'm not being mean, I'm just pointing out an observation that too often times we do not realize what's available to us right here and right now and what we have for us. The father, the, the, the elder brother, he comes back and he sees that his younger brother comes back and he, he's, he's, he doesn't even celebrate the fact that his brother is back. He actually is angry because he's like, you never even given me so much as a young goat. Why are you throwing this big party for my brother? And see, in, in this mindset, it's an orphan mentality Thinking that your father in heaven wants to bless everyone else, but he does not want to bless you. Now, I'm not prosperity, I'm not name it and claim it, I'm not any of that. I just believe God really does want to bless his kids to such a degree it actually causes a holy jealousy to rise up in people thinking, I want that exact same thing. And so he says, All that I have is yours. And when the Lord says, All that I have is yours, he really does mean all. He's not holding back. He's not saying, I'm going to give you a little bit, but I'm going to give you the whole shebang. He doesn't say that, okay? He says, all that I have is yours. Now, or what is it? 1 Corinthians, or Second Corinthians one twenty says, for as many as the promises of God in him, they are a yes and amen. In other words, Paul's writing, look, actually the context of that verse is, Paul actually lets down a group of people. He lets down the church in Corinth. And, and, and they're accusing him of being a liar, not fulfilling his promises. And Paul's like, look, I really couldn't help it. I didn't mean for this to happen. But Paul's like, if Paul's basically starts in this great big thing, gives them all his credentials and says, I actually told you the truth. I'm actually holding true to my promises. But never mind that. If he says that it's a promise, you can take it to the bank. And so that would mean that every promise that's in the word of God is a yes and amen through Christ Jesus, which would mean that there are not a few promises that are for me that aren't for you and vice versa. You don't have certain promises that, you know, he has plans to give you a hope in the future. That doesn't count for just some of us. That's for all of us, right? Or or in my weakness, he is made strong, which would mean that that if I'm weak, I get to be strong because Christ in me the hope of glory. And it doesn't mean that if you're weak, you're weak and you're miserable. It, it actually means that that promise is for you. So there's an estimated three to 7,000 7, promises in the Word of God. We've talked about this. And they're all a yes and amen through Christ Jesus. Which would mean, which is wild when you think about it, by the way, that there's 3,000 to 7,000 promises in here and they actually are applicable for each and every one of us. That's really, really cool. <laughs> He's not holding back. He is not holding back. Now, we're going to look at this. We actually looked at this next verse. We looked at it. Uh, it was the first one. We looked at it on a Friday night, and it's 1 Peter 2.9. And it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possessions, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We said chosen race, you've been elected and all that stuff, but you're a royal priesthood. You're royalty. I actually loved it this past week. I had several texts, and and at District Assembly this past week, I had several people saying I'm royalty, and, and it's just this beautiful picture that That when you come into the kingdom of God, he actually gives you a new identity. That's part of your inheritance. (laughs) You actually become the royal priesthood, which means that your royalty, which means you have access into the throne room, because, and, like, let's just say king and queen days, like, if you weren't royalty, you had to have special invitation to come into the throne room, right? But... The Lord says, your royalty, which means you have access to the throne room, and not only do you have access, but your're royal and your priesthood, which means that you have permission to minister while you are in there. And so that's what we do when we worship. We minister unto the Lord. And so we are a royal priesthood. That's part of our inheritance. Now I say that if we are royalty, then that leads to this next part, which is really what I'm trying to get to. Look at Psalm two, Psalm two. Verse 7 and 8. Praise God, thank you, buddy. It says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. So he says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. What's the decree of the Lord? It's the Lord standing up just like when we did our declarations. It's, it's proclaiming something that is true. And so the Lord, if you want to picture it literally, the Lord said, today, you're my begotten son. You're my begotten daughter, right? You are, you are mine. You belong to me. Okay? You belong to me, and I belong to you. It's like Song of Solomon. I, I belong to my beloved, and my beloved is mine. It's, it's, that's our identity as a son and daughter. So the Lord stands up, and the Lord decrees. He declares. He proclaims. And there's power when we declare, by the way. When you declare, and that's why we've been doing this, when you declare the Word of God over your life, it begins to shift things. And, and, and it's hard. I Actually, the first time we did that, I felt weird doing it. And, and it was for no other reason. I'm like, ah, it wasn't that I didn't believe the stuff, but sometimes it's hard to say things out loud. Why do I? And, and I can't really prove this. But I believe that the enemy understands that if we don't declare and decree the Word of God over our lives, that it actually has no power. And that's why when we say, that's why when we pray in Jesus' name, now Jesus' name isn't some magical, mystical elixir or or potion that we say to make something come true, but there's actually power in the proclaimed name of Jesus. And so when the Lord declares something, stuff happens, right? That's why when he said, let there be light, he declared there was light. And science is 186,000 miles per second is how fast light travels. And so he said that and it was, it was released from his mouth. There's power in declaration. And so he, say, he declares, I love this, he declares, you are my son. And today I have begotten you. That's why we read today is the day of salvation. Today is the day he's begotten you, right? All right. And then he says, ask of me. Love this. So he declares that you can ask of him. Ask, it's an amazing word. It means inquire of me, find out, look for, request, question, demand. That's crazy. You can demand of the Lord, do it reverently. Consult, want, desire, or wish. It means to have a feeling or attitude of longing. To have or to experience something. It could also mean to claim something, which is why we can say like, by his stripes we are healed. Like we we proclaim, we declare that, right? Over our lives. And it actually could mean that we interrogate the Lord, (laughs) which is crazy. But he really wants us to understand what we have when we become his sons and his daughters. And so he says, ask of me. Now, what I didn't say is Psalm 2 is classified as a royal psalm. It was actually most likely read at a king's coronation. So when a king was, boom, you're king, this was read over the king. All right? So that's really neat when you start to think about it. So, so because of the king's privileged position, it enables him to ask Yahweh, to ask God to extend The area of his rule is what these two verses are saying. Ask of me, declare, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. So this is a prayer that a king would pray. Well, we just established a week ago that we are a what? A royal priesthood. So if we're a royal priesthood, (laughs) we are royalty, we minister unto the Lord, but then we get to pray this psalm and believe it actually to be true because why? All the promises are yes and amen through Christ Jesus. All right. Because our position is royalty, we are in position to make requests of God. John 14, 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, that is, Will I do so that I love this so that the father may be glorified in the son. Amen. And if you ask anything of my name, I will do it. That's a promise from Jesus. Now, now, again, I joke about this, but this isn't going brand new pickup. I've done it. It is. It doesn't work. <laughs> House paid off. <laughs> no, it, 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 has, it doesn't work like that. But if it lines up, if it lines up with what's in here, because if you want to know the will of God, you need to get to know the heart of God. And what's the heart of God? Well, it's in here. I promise it's in here. And so which would mean that if we could start to understand the heart of God, we could start to ask Jesus for the heart of God to be released on earth as it is in heaven. Right. Which would be like this. What's another thing? We talk about this one a lot. What is the Lord's desire? that all shall inherit eternal life and that none shall perish. All means all. Does the Lord want any people to die and go to hell? No. So we can start to say, Jesus, would you lead them to you? Would you draw them closer to you? Would you draw them closer to you? Would you convict them with your Holy Spirit who goes before, right? Would you? By the way, it's not us who lead people to Jesus. It's actually the Holy Spirit that begins to draw men unto him. Because none go to him unless they are first wooed. But he desires to do this. So anyway, so we start praying according to his will and things happen. So the king wants his territory to be enhanced. By the way, I believe that's the whole premise of what the Lord wanted to do initially. That's Genesis That's That's God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every other living thing that moves over the earth. God, oh man. So here's Adam and Eve. And by the way, this is, this is Matthew 28, 18 through 20 as well. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have taught you, and lo, I am with you always. God's original plan, he put Adam and Eve in the garden. It was paradise. He said, Be fruitful and multiply and expand the boundaries of the garden. Because we knew that before this happened, now this is a little weird, but it's okay. It's a river city. So before that happened, before that happened, we understand that Satan had fallen and the angels, there was that war and he got cast out. And so here's the garden this perfect place and the Lord says, be fruitful and multiply. And it actually says the garden was in this hedge and the Lord wants those hedges to be expanded. What does that mean? It really means that the Lord says, take back what is rightfully mine. All right. He says, "Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations." So, what do I believe? You're like, "Where is he going?" In our context, I believe our inheritance is Louisville, and I say that with fear and trembling (laughs) because I'm looking at—we are growing as a church. Right, the Lord is moving, and and it's so incredible. But it's like, how can we ask for a city when we're this in number? Well, the Lord said to. (laughs) He said to. Listen, He says, Ask of the nations, and I will surely give. Well, surely give means that I will deliver, I will give, I will place, I will set up, I actually lay aside for you, I will make, I will give. I'll add, I will apply, I will appoint, I will ascribe, I will assign, I will bestow. And it actually means this, that he will heal by giving it to us. What does that mean? Oh, that's really wild when you start to think about it. That's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. (laughs) That's him actually healing the land. All right. It means that as the Lord begins, as, as, as the Lord working through us, we begin to reach people for Jesus that so actually brings healing and restoration and reconciliation to all things. So, he says, I will give you the nations. What are the nations? Well, nations are nations. <laughs> now, I want you to think with me for just a moment where we are located, and I think I've mentioned this before. Directly in front of me, behind you, is a Hispanic grocery store and a Hispanic taqueria. Directly behind me is a Chinese grocery store. Directly across from me where I'm pointing is a Korean restaurant. To the left of it is a place called Shalom Beauty Supply, which is owned by a Korean lady. However, Shalom is a Jewish name for peace, right? So that's right there. And then we have, if we just want to get all kinds of sorts of crazy, we have Popeye's chicken, which is Cajun. And and we've lived in Louisiana, and that's its own country in and of itself. (laughs) So I say this just right in our own little circle. And by the way, within a one mile radius of this location is the most culturally diverse area in the entire city. And and I want to tell you, I I want I don't want to misquote it and so I want to give you a range because it's been like two years since I looked at this. But it was like between fifty and eighty languages are spoke right in this area of our city. It's the most diverse area in the city. The Lord says to ask for the nations And I will surely give them to you as your inheritance. The Lord has placed us right in this spot where we can begin to ask for the nations. Come on, this is, I'm excited. And inheritance, he says, I'll give them as your inheritance, which is property or land given by one person to a successor or from one generation to another. We I mean, understand what we are doing. I'm going to talk plain for a little bit. What we are doing here isn't. I mean, yes, it's for us. It, it is. It's it's for me. It's for you. But you understand that it's actually it's like for your kids and it's going to be for your grandkids. What the decision we make right now doesn't just affect what we're doing right now. It affects the two little girls in the back right now. Yeah. Okay. Because we want to hand them over something, because eventually, without saying more, but we're all going to be dead and gone, and we're going to be handing off something to someone else, right? But we want to hand them off something better than we received. And so, when we're asking the Lord for the nations as our inheritance, He gives it to us. We steward it. We do what we can with it. We do the best that we can possibly do as if we're working unto the Lord, right? We're doing all that we can. We're seeking God. We're stewarding everything he's given us from our finances to our properties to the people that walk in the doors so that we can give them something better than we had. Why? Because that's what we do. We understand that line of thinking when it comes to like, April and I want to give Ethan something more than we received when we first got married. And not because we weren't thankful for what we got, but because we want to bless our kid. But We think of that way when it comes to our kids. But I want to challenge us to begin to think this way when we think of our church. We've, pa- we've pastored three established churches before we moved to Louisville. And the oldest one was 100 years old. And then the second one that I had pastored was 80 years old, and then the other one was uh, between 70 and 75. It was right in through there. I think it was almost 75. And so we were there. You understand I'm not 75 years old. <laughs> but you understand that people well before I was even a thought in my mom and dad's life made decisions that affected me. And so the decision we make here. And affects, affects the inheritance we give our kids. Right. All right? You understand where we're going with this. And so the Lord says, ask of me and I will give you an inheritance. And when the Lord gives us an inheritance, our job is steward that inheritance for blessing and for increase so that we can pass that on. Right. We say stuff like this, that I desire that, that, that I pray this, that my, my ceiling will be my son's floor. Meaning that he starts off where I finished. He doesn't need to fight the same battles we fought where so we're contending for the presence of the Lord we've we've said here that we pray that our kids grow up in an environment where they don't know nothing except for revival right we're like, like I pray that our kids and grandkids never know what a dead church feels like I'm praying that my kids and grandkids don't don't know what it's like to see people bickering and fighting and and now family members fight and argue and bicker but they get over it as well they don't split apart they they get over it and they move on we're praying that they don't Anyway, you understand. He says, ask and I'll give it to you. The very ends of the earth is your possession. The very ends of the earth means this. It means essentially the extreme boundary place, a very distant place, both physically and culturally. So when we say, when the Lord says, the very ends of the earth is your possession. I want you to think as far as you can think. Now, we believe we've been called to have these little hubs of revival all over all over our city. But what would it look like that over the next 10, 15 years, because the decisions we're making right now, that it's not just our city, but it's actually the state. Where it's actually the region. Yeah. Amen. It means to, like, I tend to be the hopeless romantic. And it would mean to even be, think beyond what I think or dream of. And the Lord says, ask him for it. All right as your possession, which means that we actually take ownership of it. Which, by the way, like I I read the news, I don't read the paper, I scroll through the news. Anyway, hashtags are amazing, but I read the news and you see all the bad stuff happening in our city and it's really easy, it'd be really easy to get discouraged and it'd be really easy, like I wish that the government would do something about it. And I understand that, but what would it look like If we began to reach so many people that we didn't rely on the government to bring wide city transformation, but that Christ in us, the hope of glory, began to usher in transformation, right? So, yeah, I've got time. So this is is what I want to talk to you about. And um, this is something we actually need to, like, be aware of what the Lord's doing. So we've been in this space. we actually got the keys in September of 16, and uh, did Friday nights up until just recently, and we'll do that once a month. But September 16, we were given the keys to this space, and it was a mess. It was really gross. Actually, Dr. Brian Powell said, "What are you thinking?" When I brought him into here, and I was just so just believe this is where the Lord wanted us to start the church at. And uh, Thursday, I was with Brett. And we had a leak over there. The AC was leaking. No big deal. It happens. And the landlords fix stuff. And uh, I just happened to be pulling out and saw the maintenance man and the property manager were walking the parking lot. And they were talking about how they're improving the facility. Like, at the end of the month, they're repaving. And they're going to be painting and all this type of stuff. And new roof. All this stuff. They're doing all kinds of amazing stuff because Jesus is still on the land. And he said, the property manager said, by the way, by the way, are you interested in the space behind you? I said, what do you mean? (laughs) And essentially, the Taekwondo place that was directly behind us um, has become open. Now, you're like, well, they're on that side of the building and we're on this side. Actually, when you come in there where our cross is hanging, because we're sneaky, there's a door there (laughs) that goes into their place and we hid the door. Okay, So he says, this place is available, and, um, and would you want it? And I was very candid, and I'm just being very candid with you. I said, well, it would depend on how much, because we're a small church, and we can't afford a whole lot. And I'm not, I'm not being negative, I'm just being realistic with him. And he said, well, the owner was here, and the owner of the property loves y'all's church. Poked his head in the door, saw what you did to the space... And has been told that you've helped clean up the area because it was pretty sketchy a year and a half ago with hypodermic needles laying all over the place and and everything else. And I said, well, yeah, well, I I, I want to see it. And we are very interested. And so we went. Brett and I went on Friday, and we toured it. Now, it's gross. <laughs> For lack of a better way, it is gross. I'm just. The same owner's been there for 38 years, okay? Is it worse than, what, what it it worse than this? In my opinion, no. <laughs> okay, but it's, it's a lot of work. Well, and they just cleaned trash out of it yesterday. They just cleaned trash out of it yesterday. I went in this morning. It's still pretty dirty. But. So, so we have this thing, and we went over there and looked around. Now, I'm just and again, I'm just talking plain for a few minutes so we understand what the Lord is positioning us for is that between this space and where our kids are in the back, this is approximately 3,000 square feet, okay? Space over there is 3,500 square feet. So we would be doubling our footprint and have access and not have to blow out a wall to get into that space, which means that if we did something like this, that this would still remain the front of the church and we could walk right through to the back of the church. Logistically, what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Well, one, we need to think not just of now, but the next several years, is what I'm asking you to do. It would be, if we were to do it, it'd be for the next five years, we would be guaranteed this space, and that it would be ours. It would enable us to grow. We're already running into space issues when we do our equipping hours back there. We are, and in order to do a full-blown children's service, which they should be our priority, right? And to do the thing in youth groups, youth services, all those things, the hold the conferences we'll be holding in the fall, um, it would make a lot of sense to be able to have that type of room. Now, again, this is more business, and I'm sorry, but it needs to be talked about. It would double the square footage. It would give us over there. Essentially, you have another sanctuary that's over there, okay, that's actually bigger than this whole space right here. It would give you another area to worship, give us room to grow into, and we would lock it in for five years. So here's, here's where it takes faith, is that right now, for all that we have, and I'm just tell you the numbers, we're not hiding anything, we pay $1,000 dollars a month, which is really cheap for the city, for square footage for commercial property. This would actually double our rent per month. It would jump from one to 2,000 dollars. So Jeff is our treasurer. <laughs> but I kind of know our finances and know what's coming in, and, and uh, I'm just going to be honest, that is a stretch to a Ford, especially when we're still praying about selling the property out in Crestwood. This is what I believe. I believe with what we currently have coming in, that we essentially are running about five to six hundred dollars short a month. And I may be uh, give or take, but that's just what I'm estimating, and I'm trying to be conservative here. So, this is where it takes faith on our part. Is that you know what that is? That's two to three families. Right. That would be us reaching two to three families and believing that they believe enough in this. And I don't really preach on tithing, I just think we should give. But that would be two to three families getting connected and believing that they will give and we would be able to afford what's behind us. Now, I don't like talking about this stuff, but it's when it gets dropped in your lap because this was not on my radar Thursday at lunchtime. <laughs> but by Thursday at five o'clock, I was obsessing <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I do. And Friday, I was obsessing. <laughs> you know, that's Brett and April both. I drove them nuts. Brett, bless his heart, was talking to me about all kinds of stuff. And he's like, What do you do? this and this. And I know I was answering questions about the space that he didn't even ask. He's like, how much do you spend time reading the Bible? And I'm like, could you imagine, Brett, what it would look like? <laughs> I, just, I just obsess it. But I say all that, we've been asking the Lord. We've been asking the Lord. Bless us. We've been asking the Lord, let us reach our city. And we've been asking the Lord, like I've been praying, God, like one of the most difficult things to do is what if this thing grows? And I believe it's going to. And we eventually run out of space. Like, then you got to talk about relocating and things like that. What if this locked us in for the next five years? And again, I hope you don't hear me trying to manipulate anything up here. I'm just trying to give you what the Lord has done. But this would enable us to lock into this for five years without ever having to relocate. Now, if we got it, it'd take a while to fix up. Because we don't have tons of money in a bank, but... to to paint and all that other stuff, but it will come in. I just believe it. Uh, This morning, we had a special gift from someone that doesn't attend our church, and I just thought, thank you, Jesus. You already know our prayers. So so I want you to pray about it, and actually, at the end of service today, I do have the key, and I thought, I'm just going to show you all. And you can see how gross and sketchy it is, but you can also dream with me because those of you that have seen pictures of what this looked like, you ought to be able to envision what that's going to be, all right? All right, so last point. Yeah, the, the Lord, he's, he's really good. He's really good. And if we could have the faith that the Lord actually wants to blow through us and do something, like I am so thrilled for what he's doing, but this is just scratching the surface of what he wants to do. What would it look like? I mean, dream with me for just a minute here. What would it look like what would it look like to have this parking lot full on a Sunday? I mean, seriously, what would it look like? What would it look like if we had to hire some policemen to usher in, you know, drivers? What would it look? Yes, woohoo! hoo what, what, what would it look like to see it plumb full of kiddos back there, right? What would it look like? What would it look like that when I get to be 60, 70 years old and, and we've handed this thing off to someone else, but to see them run with it, right? What would it look like to equip more and more pastors from around the country to be church planters and go out around our city? So you understand, I am want it's just a dream and have a little bit of faith. And it's going to be hard work and sacrifice. It will, but it'll also be worth it. This is the only thing that I ask of you because uh, this is our inheritance but I want to read one more verse because I think this is the posture that we receive it in. Okay? Look at Matthew 5.5. 5. Blessed are the gentle, blessed are the meek, and I've left my notes a long time ago. Blessed are the gentle, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble, is how that could be translated. For they shall inherit the earth. That's right. You know what that means? It means this. We come in here, we pray. We ask the Lord to move. And, like, I'm a revival guy, but I'm, I'm also, like, as much as I am in front of you, this is my heart right here. It's Jesus, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. Would you do something? I see people coming in the doors, and, and I can see it all over the face. They're hurting. They're broken. They're, they're struggling with stuff going on in life, God. And then I see it on people's faces out there. Jesus, would you move? Would you, Lord, you called my family here? And I don't even know, God, how we're going to do what you've asked us to do. Because I'm not smart enough. I'm not quick-witted enough. I I can't preach good enough. You know, I've got all these things, God. We don't have the budget to do what you've asked us to do. But I'm asking you to give the inheritance that you promised me, that you've shown me. And, And so when we begin to ask the Lord to do this, we're not demanding of God, even though ask for the nations is a certain that's my right, But I believe that we receive inheritance if we live our life on our knees. Now, I'm not saying you have to walk around your whole life like this. But I'm saying that it's a posture of your heart that's bent towards God. Which would mean that as the Lord blesses us, we never take the credit. (laughs) We never take the credit. You've heard me say, if someone says you preach a good sermon pastor... I'll be like, thank you, right? I won't say that was all God because it'd be a lot better if God preached a sermon than if I did, but I will say thank you. But we will acknowledge that everything that has happened is because the Holy Spirit has spoken to us and because he's empowered us to be able to do what he's asked us to do. And I am not, cont- I'll, say, I'll just be straight up, I'm not content, it's, I'm content with what we have but I'm not content with us not reaching people with the gospel. And we do that with humble and contrite hearts because that's what the Lord finds pleasing. And so as we move forward as a church, it's Jesus. We have this inheritance. Help us to steward it well. Help us to do the things you've asked us to do. James tells us that you oppose a proud heart (laughs) and you actually humble the proud, right? but help us to live in such a way that you're pleased with us and help us to live in such a way that others get to encounter you because of this. That's what it's all about. And so I apologize that this is a little weird and different, but it was really important because I believe the Lord's, like we've hit this point where it's like, Holy smokes, Jesus, you are doing something and you've presented something. I have a very strong opinion on what we should do, <laughs> but it's going to take each and every person in this room to make it come to fruition. Amen. Amen. All right. So